0: It's Scary Parish. It's Monday, November 8, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me. And as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, we are now on YouTube. What's up, YouTube? Deadleg, wave to YouTube. Say hello to YouTube.
1: Hello, YouTube. I don't know if I'm saying, <laughs> if I'm saying specifically hello to YouTube or the viewers who have chimed in and started watching but this is the start of a new it's the start of a new era here so yes if you happen to be listening to this very episode on the podcast version just be used to the fact that we're going to be kind of driving down two different lanes of highway here and there will be a there will be a visual component to this but hey listen huge day uh hello we are the first college basketball podcast to go to video right, right. Got, got to amazing. be just us.
0: it's amazing i don't know why nobody else had gone to this earlier seems like
1: Seems like we're always ahead of the curve, you know? Trailblazing. Listen, don't don't hate us cuz we're first. That's all I got to say. It's wonderful to see you and now everyone gets to see us, gets to see your your beautiful backdrop. Although if you've watched CBS Sports HQ, you're familiar with GPs. Mine is different cuz I'm on the other side of my office, so I've got got the drum set behind me, the guitar's right here, some music posters behind. This is a little Little peek into our homes, and let's just hope that our children don't break into our offices as we are now recording live and living dangerously.
0: Yeah, I just had to have that talk with my family. We had a family meeting downstairs. I said, Listen, I have to be on camera, and there is no stopping once we start. We used to, we used to could stop, and we did stop all the time. You would get very frustrated with me needing Uh-oh. to stop or wanting to stop. I said, Listen, if you guys run upstairs and start acting crazy, You're just going to be crazy on video. Uh, We can't stop. So please stay downstairs until I come downstairs and tell you it's okay to come upstairs. But given that my kids don't listen to anything I say, good luck.
1: Over under 4.5 podcasts at home, because you'll be on the road for the two shows later this week. Over under 4.5 podcasts before one of your children tries to walk in as we record.
0: Oh, that's happening. Because the other problem with this studio, this beautiful studio that we had built, This is, I have a, a my my stuff is not in like an office or a bedroom or, we built a studio in my home. At the same time we built that studio, we built a playroom in our home and these two things are right next to each other, so there's going to be a day where people wander out of the playroom and it might not be my kids it could be somebody else's kids and they walk right in, but we'll, we'll deal with that as it happens and, and try to have a good time with it. I'm just happy to be on video in something other than a coat and a tie. I feel like hoodies. I thought real hard about what I was, I know it doesn't look like I thought real hard about what I was going to wear, but I did put some thought into it. And I said, you know what? It's hoodie season. I think I'll just go hoodies. I got every color.
1: Well, listen, if you want to change it up, because I actually thought you were you're the reverse Steve Jobs. Okay, a couple things here before we and we are going to talk plenty of Champions Classic, but let's just lean into the video aspect. First of all, GP is the anti Steve Jobs. And I don't mean like he hates technology or never uses a phone. That's exactly. No, he always wears white T-shirts. Jobs was like black T-shirt every time, everywhere. Normally when we podcast, he'd be rocking that white T-shirt. So he kind of throws me for a little bit of loop with with the hoodie action there. And also heard from plenty of people when we announced we were going to video. I had forgotten that we talked about this plenty. And this is certainly before uh, Nada's time, Kanata Edwards. We'll give him a shout and time to chirp, I think, before this episode's done. Thrilled to have a producer on board. But he used to do this in the dark. Now, he hasn't done it since he had the studio. But I, I, I had a, a few people be like, gp's days of going in the dark are over and they are which is fortunate yet somewhat unfortunate because honestly there have been many a podcast in the past where we would start off season maybe on a wednesday randomly at 11:30 30 in the morning east coast time my man is sitting in the room like a serial killer sitting in the dark ready to start podcasting there's no doing that anymore he's now he's even more beautifully lit than i am with that wonderful white backdrop with the shelves there so this is the parish you're going to have to get. And that that vision, that whole scene that you had going in Dexter's kill room, that's just going to have to stay between you and me forever.
0: I do my radio show every day in the dark, so much so that the cleaning crew will often walk in the studio while I'm on in studio because they, they can't see that I'm in there. They should know by now that I'm in there, but it looks like I'm, it's a completely pitch black, dark studio. I'm, I'd, like to, I'd like to be in the dark. I know that's weird, and I, I recognize that, A therapist somewhere could probably figure out exactly why I'm more comfortable in the dark than in the light, but I am undeniably more comfortable in the dark than the light.
1: So we've got this covered now. You are now comfortable and able to adapt on the fly with your own children walking into the room while you're recording. Other people's children walking into the room while you're recording. And. And janitors and cleaning people walking into the room while you're on live on the radio, sitting there in the dark. Just wanted to make sure we all had that. They actually
0: startle me because I sit with my back to the door, and I can sort of feel somebody there. I'm, I, I get startled every time they do it, but I get over it pretty quickly. But it, <laughs> it does happen because I'm sitting there in the dark like a man. I
1: just love the. I love this idea that you're in the middle of like some fire jaw, Morant take, and suddenly you almost have a heart attack because someone walks into the studio. It's happened multiple times. <laughs> multiple times.
0: The whole everything about it's complicated all right let's get the basketball so uh again it's Monday and according to my my buddy John rostein's Twitter feed that means we are now just one day away one day away uh, from the start of the 2021 22 college basketball season things get underway Tuesday I believe it at three o'clock eastern it'll be Manhattan you ready for this versus Manhattanville <laughs> Manhattan versus Manhattanville in a non-league battle designed to settle once and for all who is the king of new york trivia time dead leg where is manhattanville college located
1: i'm I'm going oh for one right off the bat as we do this on video side note forgot to plug this at the start like we said we did we would do before we started recording subscribe to the show on youtube you're going to go to the pod description of this episode on however you're listening to it You'll tap in, automatically subscribe to I on College Basketball on YouTube. We're off to a phenomenal start here. Where is Manhattanville located? I got to believe, I'm going to say Westchester County, even though that's 50 minutes from where I live. Complete guess, New York State, north of the Bronx.
0: I feel like you were cheating while you were promoting YouTube. Incorrect. Am I on it? Did I get it? Yes, it's in Purchase, New York in Westchester County, about five miles from the White Plains Airport.
1: How I did you actually know that then? Shouts to shouts to a couple of friends I've had who've worked at SUNY Purchase and I've flown out of that airport plenty of times. Okay. i I just don't know that. I maybe subconsciously I know. Why let go. I hate that airport so much. why? that oh, I really why. need to careen this podcast, but that is it, it's is it packed frequently? Yes. You're no. taking that airport over j f k and LaGuardia every single time and twice on sunday in in theory,
0: all things being equal, perhaps quick quick story. I promise you I'll give you the quick version. Also,
1: he's about to say this as a non-Connecticut resident. Anyone listening who's also in Connecticut knows you take HPN every single time. Go ahead.
0: My, my first year of doing television consistently for CBS Sports Network, where I had a normal schedule, fly every Monday into New York, fly back home every Thursday. My first year, we had a, a travel uh, coordinator, and I won't mention her name because she's a sweetheart of a, of a, of a woman. Um, and th- 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 this story mm-hmm. might not reflect perfectly. <laughs> But she really is a sweetheart. So um, she's like, um, she's like, okay, so, you know, it looks like you're flying in every Monday, flying home every Thursday. Um, do you have any preferences? Now, listen, I'm just a public school kid from Mississippi. And now they're gonna be flying me back to New York to talk on national television. I'm like, I'm not making any demands. I'm not uh, trying to, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna be the most agreeable CBS Sports Network employee that exists. I said, um, hey, what, whatever is easiest, whatever is cheapest on your end, it's cool with me. I just want to come up on, uh, on on late Monday, as late as possible, so I can do radio on Monday. And I need to be back, you know, by mid-afternoon on Thursday so that I can do radio. So when they book these flights, they book them all at the same time for the entire season. And so I get my itinerary first, like, uh, and, and I said, oh, and if, it, if it's okay, I want it to be Delta, because Delta does fly out of Memphis a lot. So I get my itinerary, and it is Memphis to Atlanta, Atlanta to White Plains. And then coming home, it's White Plains to Atlanta, Atlanta to Memphis. Now, my White Plains flight left at 6 a.m. every Thursday, 6 a.m. every Thursday morning. They send a car for you at, to pick you up at 4 a.m. at the uh, hotel. Two, they give two hours wiggle then, room. That's
1: so brutal. They send a car for you and everything? Man, I'm but sorry. No, this, this is going to get bad. So we don't get out of studio until 1.30 or 2 in the morning.
0: So I get a studio at one thirty two in the morning on Wednesday night and I would uh, go back to the hotel, uh, change, take a shower, change, pack my bag. car's going to be here in 30 minutes. No sleep. I go. I ride to White Plains. I for a six o'clock flight, I get there probably four forty five. The airport's not even open yet. I'm standing. I'm standing outside. I'm standing outside the airport every Thursday morning. I would then fly to Atlanta, fly to Memphis, do a radio show on, on average somewhere between an hour and two hours of sleep every Thursday. Keep in mind, I got young children, family. I get home on Thursday night. I ain't seen them since Monday morning. I haven't I've slept 90 minutes. I'm about to die. So I can't come home and do anything. I'm, I got to crash out. Miserable, miserable. But I was never going to speak up because I was like, I'm not rocking the boat, man. If this is what I got to do to have this opportunity, this is what I'm going to do. Did the whole season, almost died. Fast forward to the next season. We've got a new travel coordinator, reaches out to me, says the same thing. Hey, you know, we're just trying to get an idea what what you want for flights. And this time I'm like, OK, I'm going to I'm going to speak up a little bit. I said, um, you know, if there's anything that that is uh, within the calls that, that gets me, you know, to New York on Monday night, but then, you know, gets me back home on Thursday. Um, and, you know, if I have to go to Atlanta, that's fine. If there's a way around that, that'd be great. But like, whatever's best. I get my itinerary Memphis direct to LaGuardia LaGuardia direct the Memphis the whole season. I'm thrilled. I called my travel coordinator. I said, Hey, I just wanted to let you know, I really appreciate what you did. Um, that that that's going to change my life and he was like what do you mean change your life and uh, i said well like all last season i was going to white planes at 4 a.m on thursday and he was like why were you flying out of white Plains?" i was like that's just what they booked he's like dude why didn't you say anything that is outrageous that you were going to the airport at 4 a.m after working in studio at 2 a.m and going white planes to atlanta like we could do this no problem I said, I didn't want to speak up. I didn't want to rock the boat. And so that became a story among CBS Sports. I would get calls from people who worked there. And they'd be like, hey, we just wanted to apologize for all the last season. Sending you to know, white plays at four in the morning. I did a whole season that I, if I never in that airport again, I'll be thrilled.
1: I hear you. That being said, driving from in the Northeast Corridor to get to JFK or LaGuardia is often a hassle. So, anyway, Manhattan versus Manhattanville. You ready for this? Off the season, it does. It's a battle. It's a battle of New
0: York. So we've established uh, uh, Manhattanville College is not in Manhattan.
1: Nope. But it's a ville.
0: Do you know where Manhattan College is?
1: Yeah, Manhattan College. I think technically is in the Bronx. Am I correct? How
0: is Manhattan? It is. That was not a trivia time, by the way. But how is Manhattan College and Manhattanville College? Neither one of them in Manhattan.
1: You got me, man. makes no
0: sense. Near my house, there used to be this place called Cowboy Corner. Wasn't on a corner. Did it have cowboys? They had cowboy boots and stuff like that. So, I guess by extension.
1: So, Manhattan College is a college. It's just not Manhattan like Cowboy Corner. was not on a corner, but it had Cowboys.
0: Exactly like Cowboy Corner. Cowboy Corner was not on a corner. Never made any uh, sense to me. So, we got that one tipping off at 3 o'clock. And then um, we've got Alcorn State, Washington State, also tipping off at 3 o'clock. But the first day of the season, obviously going to be dominated by what's happening. Ready for this? In Manhattan at Madison Square Garden. It's a doubleheader. They call it the Champions Classic. 7 o'clock Eastern, number three Kansas versus Michigan State. 9.30 Eastern, number nine Duke versus number 10 Kentucky. So it's a doubleheader, four Hall of Fame coaches, perhaps five or six future first-round NBA draft picks, three top-ten teams. Obviously, with all due respect to Kansas and Michigan State – one game is way bigger than the other for multiple reasons, and we're going to get to that one. But I do want to talk about these games in the order that they're going to be played. So let's start with Kansas, Michigan State. The Jayhawks are ranked third in the AP poll, third to coaches' poll. They're third at Ken Palm, consistent across the board. Spartans unranked in both polls, just barely. Although I have them ranked in the top twenty-five and one, they are twenty-second at Ken Palm. KU is listed. The numbers out. KU is listed as a four and a half point favorite dead like what are you most interested in looking forward to when it comes to this Kansas Michigan State matchup
1: yeah i understand why duke kentucky is getting tons more shine that's understandable but i'm plenty intrigued by this one as well because michigan state and kansas what's the the big broad theme of the night the thread between all these teams Kansas, worst season, Ken Palm-wise, ever under Bill Self. Michigan State, likewise, under Izzo. And then, obviously, Duke had its worst season in 25 years. Kentucky had one of its worst seasons in the history of the program, going back almost 90 years. So all four programs actually weirdly have something to prove heading into Tuesday night because they're coming off of subpar seasons for what their program standards are. So with that in mind, with Michigan State, I kind of wanted to see who's going to be the guy here, right? Because you know, as I understand it, it's been freshman Max Christie who's been the team's best player over the past month in practice. Uh, is he going to wind up being the most important player on the floor? Will it be a guy like Tyson Walker, Northeastern transfer? Will he be able in the first game? Like, is, is he going to be guarded by the likes of Ochai Abaji, who I think will be the best defender on the floor there? Uh, and will he be able to handle that? We've talked plenty before. GP referenced it on a couple pods ago about traditionally, if you transfer up and we're talking mid-major to true high major, and we're talking top 25 level program, it's not that common that you can, in fact, it's rare that you can keep your statistics at about the level they were when you're playing that level below. I don't think anyone expects Tyson Walker to be a a nineteen-seven and four guy or anything like that, but can he be a, a big time impact player there? I don't know. Michigan state is coming off of its worst defensive season ever under Tom Izzo allowed 71.1 points per game last season that's the most on a per game basis the Spartans have ever allowed under Izzo the previous high was 2016-17 when they allowed 68.7 so it wasn't like they were worse by a half point or a point that's more than 2 full points per game and how Michigan State's defense can try and bounce back after last season will be uh, will be intriguing to me overall so how how MSU puts a team out there against what I think will be a pretty good Kansas defensive unit. Parish is my most intriguing thing. Cause I don't know who the guy is going to be reminder. Michigan state lost Josh Langford after a wonderful nine year career there. Aaron Henry rocket Watts is now at Mississippi state. Tom Skithier is gone foster lawyers down at Davidson. So there's plenty of new faces here, but there are returning guys. Like I want to see how good Gabe Brown can be. Joey Hauser. Marcus Bingham like there are still familiar players on this Sparty roster. I'll get to my pick in just a minute on this game. But for me, in the first game, my biggest curiosity just happens to land on Sparty's side. And who's going to be the guy? Are we going to come away from this game with a Michigan State win saying, man, Tyson Walker looks like he's ready, you know, or Yeah, Max Christie right away. What if Max Christie winds up being the best freshman story on a night where we don't think that's really all that remotely possible because of who Duke has on its roster? So I'm intrigued with that in addition to some other Kansas stuff. But what about you?
0: I want to see Max Christie. I want to see Tyson Walker. Um, You know, that's a pretty interesting one, two, three, if that's going to be the one, two, three, Walker, Christie, Gay Brown. You know, Gay Brown averaged like seven points a game last season, shot 42% from three on 3.2 attempts. You would think his role increases a little bit. And then Joey Hauser's the leading returning score, 9.7 points and 5.6 rebounds per game. So um, it's an interesting core for Michigan State to have. And you're right about the Spartans. They were not good relative to what they normally are defensively last season. They weren't good offensively either. I mean, if they got to bounce back on defense. They got to bounce back on offense too. They were 98th in offensive efficiency and 64th in defensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm. Um, if you can take both of those numbers into account, that's the worst Michigan State has been in the Ken Palm era. That dates back to 2002. Um, they were 11 seed in the NCAA tournament. You know, that 64 Ken Palm number is the worst of the Tom Izzo era. So I think sometimes we were so focused last season on Kentucky being unusually bad and Duke being unusually average. Um, And, and, and we, and then, you know, Michigan state made the NCAA tournament. So it was like, they're in the NCAA tournament. So like good season, but it was not a good season. They were not really a good team. uh, Certainly relative to where Tom usually operates that program. So you, you make a good point. You know, that, that second game is all about Duke and Kentucky trying to have bounce back seasons and Duke trying to do it in coach K's final season, but, Michigan State needs a bounce-back season, too. And, oh, Kansas, like you said, they weren't as good last season as they usually are either.
1: That's right. And Kansas will not – as a reminder, Kansas will not have Jalen Wilson in this game. He certainly figures to be one of the three most important players on that roster this season. He was uh, suspended for drinking and driving, and so he will not play the first three games for the Jayhawks this season. So with no Jalen Wilson, you know, perhaps – Perhaps the edge Kansas would have otherwise had isn't as big as some might think, Um, but I don't know. We'll see on the Kansas side. Of course, Remy Martin comes over from Arizona State. He was the pick for preseason Big 12 player of the year. If you happen to be catching the podcast for the first time ever and are watching on video or you just started to hop on, I mentioned last week and I think I mentioned back when we had our Big 12 preview Uh, I don't think that Remy Martin will wind up being Kansas's best player or most important player. I do think that will be Ochai How who he's assigned to defensively tomorrow night, I think will be uh, be plenty intriguing. So keep an eye on that. And then David McCormick down low, like a guy who made our top 101 players list with plenty of room to spare. And, you know, how does Marcus Bingham go up against him? McCormick's a bigger body, more physical. But first game of the season, first night of the season, can't wait for this. I'm just so excited. And And part of that is, okay, How have the players that we know that we've seen for a year or two or three, how have they gotten better, stronger, advanced their games, or have they? You know, surprises wait in store there. Uh, I do like Kansas's edge physically on the defensive end, I think, here. But no Jalen Wilson. You know, we had to make our picks here, obviously, and for the site and all that. And uh, GP's going to tee that up in just a second here. But no Wilson made me think a little bit more about how i would have gone with the game definitively because not having him i think kansas can overcome it but it's a significant player potentially an all big 12 league kind of guy who's not going to be available on tuesday at msg
0: i would have probably gone kansas you know by six seven eight points you know if everybody were available but they're obviously not jalen wilson um, you know, he was their third leading scorer, leading rebounder last season. He was second in the Big 12 in double-doubles. He's an important player. Did not have him matters. I still think Kansas wins the game. I guess if we're picking it, I'd go Kansas 70, Michigan State 68. So that's a Kansas victory, but a Michigan State cover for me.
1: Okay. Um, This is, by the way, this is the second time, since Michigan State is not ranked, only the first Champions Classic in 2011. And this one will have a game in which there is an unranked team. Otherwise, all the other ones, uh, all four teams what were ranked. It's somewhere in the poll. Between 1 and 25 heading into the season, they were all ranked. Michigan State is not. So that streak ends there. I am going to go Kansas to win. And I'm going to lean on the defense here, GP. Like, I'm going to go seventy-one sixty-five. right? So I'm going to take KU to win and to cover. and. Kansas to show well defensively. Uh, that's my lean here. By the way, Champions Classic records: Kansas entering this is five and five. Michigan State has the worst at four and six. Kansas and Kentucky are both five and five. Michigan State's four and six all time. Duke is six and six and four. And in terms of heads up, uh Kansas is one and two in the Champions Classic, which means MSU is two and one versus Kansas. So, KU looking to even the series in this event. But yeah, give me even with no Wilson. Give me Kansas. You know. Not exactly going out on a ledge here. They're highly ranked. MSU is not in the AP top 25 as we head into this game. But when you bring back the likes of McCormick and Abaji, and I do, uh, I I give me the over under on Remy Martin's field goal percentage from the game at, at 41.5. And I'll take the over saying it'll be like 42%. That will be a big factor here, I think for sure. But, um, I think this will be a little bit bumpy, a little bit up and down, but I'll take Kansas to win with a little bit of comfort in the end.
0: So I pick Kansas, Norlander pick Kansas. Congratulations to Michigan State on starting the season 1-0. and That's almost definitely how that's going to go. So the more high-profile game of the Champions Classic, it's clearly the nightcap. It's Duke-Kentucky. We will talk about that next, but first, check this
2: out. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, Visit roberthalf.com today.
0: So the second game of the Champions Classic is, uh, is the more high profile of the two. It's Duke-Kentucky. It's Coach K versus Coach Cal and Coach K's first game of his final season. The Blue Devils are listed as one-point favorites in this game. Deadleg, are you ready for the first game of Mike Krzyzewski's final season? Did you hear? It's Mike Krzyzewski's
1: final season. I did. I did hear that. Are you ready for a trivia time? Of course I am. I'm always ready. Look at okay. me. Okay. You ready for this one? Ignata's got it all fired up. Look at this on the screen and everything. This is production synergy. Okay. I don't we, understand
0: why ain't no other college basketball podcast uh, thought about going on video before us.
1: Their problem, not ours. You know what I'm saying, man? All right. Kentucky and Duke are both ranked in the top 10 heading into this matchup. All right. On Tuesday night, the, Kansas-Michigan State game will be the 21st all-time Champions Classic Tilt, and Kentucky-Duke will be the 22nd. So there have been 22 matchups in Champions Classic history. How many of those 22 matchups have featured games between top 10 teams? Kentucky-Duke is the most recent one, which will go down Tuesday night.
0: I ask you where Manhattanville is, and you come up with 21 of 22 You, or you
1: know 24. that the answer is at least one, and at most 21. You get one guess. And by the way, if you're playing along at home, feel free to venture I guess. Repeat the question. There That's have been always doing the spelling baby. Exactly. <laughs> You're trying to buy some time.
0: I'm Tuesday not, night will be the tw- Here's my hands. I can't I'm not cheating. Here's my little hands.
1: Exactly. Tuesday night will be the 21st and 22nd matchups in the history of the Champions Classic. Mm-hmm. How many of those 22, including Tuesday night which will be Kentucky and Duke in the top 10 have featured both teams in the top 10 when they've played top 10 matchup?
0: I got you. Okay.
1: I'm going to say 12. You're pretty close. You're pretty close. The answer is 14. Now, how about that? Okay. Now, I understand these are blue blood programs, GP, but 14 out of 22 of these things have had both teams in the top 10 when they've played. You want to know why this is the no brainer event that's going to get renewed every year, be played at the biggest venues, and help open the season? It's because of that. It's an anomaly that Michigan State isn't ranked. normal. all four teams have been ranked number one in the country at least once when we've had this over the years. So they've rotated in as to who's the top dog when they enter in. And more times than not, uh, one of these games is between two top 10 teams. And in multiple occasions, it's between both in the top 10. You'll recall two years ago when they were one, two, three, and four. The top four teams was the first time that ever happened in 2019-20 before we knew we were just barreling toward the dumbest pandemic of our lifetime. What What
0: a ridiculous pandemic. I was trying to think earlier today. I was like, did they even have the champions classic last season? Yeah, it, yeah. I, I, I know, but it's the only one I've never been to. I think
1: that's true. I think that is true. I think you're correct about that. But last year, obviously not on neutral floors and you had them in, uh, in home venues last season where Michigan state won at Duke. And I can't even remember the, I, how about this? I can't even remember the Kansas Kentucky. Oh, no, I do. That was neutral Indianapolis and it was a horrendous game. Remember how ugly that was? You probably don't. I shouldn't remember. I shouldn't ask you if you remember things. I don't remember. But I do now, as I'm saying it, it was like, I want to say the teams combined to shoot like 35% from the field. It was horrific. But I remember the Duke one because they looked terrible and Michigan State wound up winning.
0: you concerned at all that Kentucky just got through struggling with Miles College. They only won that game 80-71. to 71. It was, uh, two, and this wasn't like Miles College made a run to cut it to single digits late. Like, it was a competitive game all game does that bother you at all or just an exhibition who cares
1: well a couple of things on that first of all i know i did, was i watching this exhibition there's a zero percent chance i'm not watching exhibitions usually mean nothing but apparently miles college um hit like it's first like a three-pointers or something like that so they were absurd starting hot from the field that tends to happen teams that go play and rough uh they usually just light it up from beyond the three-point arc kind of weird how that happens but the 80 to 71 win it's the only time that Kentucky has won by fewer than 20 points in an exhibition game under John Calipari. So if you want to just, you know, gently flare any sort of panic, uh, light, then maybe that's why I don't really have a lot of concern with it, obviously, but it is, I mean, it is something Kentucky's coming off a nine win season and it squeaked out. I guess you want to call it squeaked out, well, they won by nine over miles. I don't have a ton of concern. Um, I'll give you a little backdrop between these two two schools here before we make our predictions. This is the 23rd all-time meeting between these two. Kentucky leads the series 12 to 10, but Duke has actually won eight of the past 10 tilts, but that goes all the way back to 1979. How about this? It's the first time these two teams... This is somewhat surprising. This is the first time both these teams are playing at Madison Square Garden when playing against each other. Kentucky versus Duke at MSG has never happened until uh, Tuesday night. The last time these two teams met, 2018, that was in Indianapolis. Duke's 118-84 win announced the arrival and the dominant arrival of Zion Williamson, R.J. Barrett, who could ever forget him, and company. And it was the worst loss statistically by margin in John Calipari's coaching career. Mike Krzyzewski is 6-2 and all-time against Kentucky, Uh, And Duke has opened the season three times in its history against UK. All three were Duke wins. Uh, The first one was an 82 76 overtime win in 1979. GP was eight years old. Then I wasn't born. That was in Springfield, Massachusetts, the tip off classic. They played again to open the 88 89 season. 80-55 to Duke-pasted Kentucky, which at that point was in the throes of a major NCAA investigation. That was also the tip-off classic in Springfield Massachusetts. You have any memory, before I get to the last, you have any memory of a tip-off classic starting the college basketball season for like 20 years? By the way, I was two years old in
0: 1979, two. I have, I have, I barely have memories of the Champions Classics. (laughs) All right? I barely have champion classic memories. You, you, I, don't need, you, I don't need you quizzing me about tip-off classic memories. I that's
1: not even a quiz. I just, I've never heard of this thing as being a thing. Tip-off classic Springfield, Massachusetts. Are we bringing it back? Apparently not. But I have, I have, I have covered
0: a game in Springfield, Massachusetts for some reason or another. I think that's maybe Hall of Fame classic.
1: Uh, it was probably used to be there. Now it's at the Mohegan Sun. I'll be there next week for uh, a sweet double header. The third one, 118-84, Duke and 18. So this is the fourth time these two teams will have met To open the season, Duke is three and zero. This will be Coach K's final game at the Garden. Final
0: season. Final season.
1: You heard it here first. First, first college basketball podcast on video. Never forget that Mike Krzyzewski's final season at
0: What if if I just uh, start, like, actually, like, with a straight face, constantly reminding people, like, and and do you guys realize this is Mike? You know, a lot of people, a lot of people are not talking about. I don't know if everybody understands yet, but this is Mike Krzyzewski's final
1: season at Duke. The people that love us will love it, and the people that don't get the show will sell, will threaten to unsubscribe to our YouTube channel. That's, I think, how that's going to go. K is 33-11 and 11 all time with Duke at MSG. Um, that includes Neutral, the occasional roadie against St. John's he's had over the years. And Tuesday night will be his 1400th game, one thousand. 400 as a head coach so barring duke going to the final four of the nit this season i guess anything's on the table this will be the final time he coaches in msg um let me tw- let me twist it back on you here what interests you most aside from the fact that it's coach k's first game of his final season uh what? when it comes when it comes to the game itself be it kentucky side duke side whatever there's no shortage of interesting storylines here to you you know what 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 pops out to you most? What are you most interested to see or learn or come to be when we get there Tuesday night at MSC?
0: The first game for Paulo Benquero. I mean, I, I know Chet Holmgren was the number one prospect in the class, and I know some people think Chet Holmgren will be the number one pick in the draft, and he might be. I would bet on Paulo. And so I think there's a chance on Tuesday night you and I are sitting inside the garden and we're watching the best player in college basketball. Even though I voted for Drew Timmy as preseason player of the year, I think there's a chance Paula will be the best player in college basketball. By the way, did you see him in their exhibition? Duke only played one exhibition. Kentucky played two. He had 21 points, nine rebounds in 20 minutes. 21 points in yeah. 20 minutes. It's 8 of 13 from the field, one of two uh, from from three. And, oh, it should be noted, A.J. Griffin played in that exhibition. You know, he had missed a lot of the preseason with a right knee injury. Came off the bench. He got uh, 10 points in 17 minutes. So, assuming there's been no setback since then he will be in this game and a few weeks ago there were some questions about whether he would be available for this game so seeing those two five star freshmen for duke but mostly paulo i think is the most interesting thing like i won't be surprised if we are late tuesday podcasting about um one of you know one of the great duke debuts in 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 duke you know in in college in history in, in a you know a duke win where paulo goes for 30 and 14. I mean, that's, 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 that's not crazy to me. So interested in that. And you know what? Like I know Kentucky struggled with miles college the other night, but one of the things Kentucky did do well is shoot the ball from three. They were 11 of 19 from three. And this is something we've talked about as John remade this roster um, this past off season. Last season, Kentucky had lots of issues, but but two obvious ones: they had no quality point guards, couldn't take care of the ball, and they didn't have enough shooting, so they could not shoot at all. And when you add TyTy Washington, Severe Wheeler, Kellen Grady, what you CJ Ferret, what you add is uh, ball handling and shooting. And so the other night they started TyTy Washington, Severe Wheeler, Kellen Grady, Keon Brooks, Oscar Shiboy. So you've got, you go from having no quality league guards last season. Now you got two in your starting lineup. You've got a shooter in Kellen Grady. Ty Ty can also shoot it. And if you go look at the numbers from the UK starters, in the first exhibition against Kentucky Westland, they were nine of 15 from three, the starters. And the same starters. the same five started both games. So that's who you're going to see Tuesday night. They were nine of 15 from three against Kentucky Westland, eight of 12 from three against Miles College. So in the two exhibitions, Kentucky starters a 17 to 27 from three, that's 63%. That is super encouraging if you're a Kentucky fan and it underlines what we had talked about this entire se- off-season. You know, I can't promise you Kentucky is going to be a legitimate Final Four contender, but I think they're going to be. And the main reason is going to be because they resolved two major problems from last season. They've added multiple quality point guards that will play together. Not unlike John Wall, Eric Bledsoe, and they have added enough shooting to where I think this can be a a high level. Uh, like a, I think they can go be go from being one of the worst high major three point shooting teams in the country to maybe one of the better ones.
1: That if they can do that, then they're going to prove their value preseason with that number ten next to the name. And if if Kentucky can be a top twenty five. Three-point team accuracy-wise, then yeah, going to change the core. It's going to be a different experience for UK fans for Big Blue Nation, undeniably. I'm eager to see what we get on the big stage Tuesday night. I kind of get the feeling with both of these games that uh, might be a little bit of nerves, um, some ricketiness overall. Because remember, we are returned now. While some, while some of these players did play in, in front of the occasional f- the fans last season here and there, right? Like it wasn't like they were every single game was no fans in the building. That's not what it was. The energy in the garden on Tuesday is going to be different from anything that any of these players experienced last season. Not even going to be close. And so, because of that, I actually think um, I'll just go on. I'll say no team is going to shoot better than 50% from the floor, and no team is going to shoot better than 35% from three point range. I think it's going to be uh, a night where the defenses play better than the offenses, which is not all that uncommon when you talk about season opening performances and you've got two power conference teams playing against each other. So, that's what I think we're going to see here. I'm interested to see if bank Caro is going to wind up being first, first game, huge arrival, like what you said, or if we get Duke's other big of note, well, they've got three bigs of note. They've got Theo John from Marquette who will probably be third in the pecking order behind Ben Carroll, And then Mark Williams, who's a sophomore center, seven feet tall, seven, seven wingspan, a, a, a guy we have, you know, rated top 60, top 65 in the country, overall players. Um, I don't know. We'll see. Kentucky's got Oscar Shiboy and how they deploy him defensively. And and he's he's a grown man now. How he matches up with either of those guys. See, Bancaro can can step out. He can shoot from three. He can handle. He can distribute. I tend to believe that that you're gonna have Shiboy on Williams more, but how often both those guys are on the floor as well? Because they can play both of them. Because Bancaro is that dynamic of a player there. I'm extremely inc- extremely intrigued to see what these uh what these what these blue devils can do against Kentucky and a Kentucky team that I think will also be improved defensively. Cause they got a lot of veterans with UK specifically almost every single season. It's okay. We a new here comes uh, here comes four to six new faces. Most of them being freshmen, the occasional transfer come in. Obviously we've seen grad transfers, Reed Travis being one recent example where he was a, a pretty good fit. Overall this year with Kentucky, with everything GP laid out, it's all like, how are these older guys going to fit together? And then it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise me if we're talking about this late Tuesday night after the game's done, win or lose with Kentucky. It's like, all right, we saw some good stuff here and there, like Kellen Grady, okay, 11 points. Uh, Dave Mint still seems like he's got it. Keon Brooks, we like what he's seeing. It's not even a question. Ty Ty Washington is Kentucky's best player. Now, he was, I'm not saying that's what's going to happen. We didn't reflect that in our preseason top 101 players list. But the reports out of Lexington and how good he's looked and how ready he is, how poised of a player he is, it's been very good news to this point. So I'm intrigued to see how Ty Ty Washington shows up uh, and how he goes up against uh, a Duke backcourt, which is not shy on talent. But how Duke rolls out its lineups as well, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be very fun. I find this game to be highly unpredictable, to be honest with you. I don't think there's really any outcome that could stun me beyond a team winning by more than say 18 or 20 points anything within that realm duke by 15 kentucky by 16 i just think it's all on the table given how many new pieces are here and how poor these teams were a season ago i don't think this game is hard to predict at all watch i'm going to predict it so easily no no you can predict it easily go ahead and predict it accurately and then tell me how hard it is yeah i didn't say i could predict
0: it accurately i just said i could i could <laughs> offer i could offer a prediction very easily like in my sleep Duke 71, Kentucky 69.
1: Nice. Um, what's the line here? Do you have the line? Of course I do. It's Duke minus one. That is the actual line. Okay. Because well, that's the Ken Pom projection as well. So I didn't check the lines before we got rolling here. Duke minus one. Well, so I because I wanted to prep for our first YouTube show. I, did you not hear the trivia time I had locked and loaded for you? Did you not hear the history You Kentucky and Duke that I had locked and loaded? You right. think I didn't prep? Did I know the lines? Hell no. Did I prep? You better believe it. Your trivia times have too many numbers in them. <laughs> I'm twisting you around, aren't I? Yeah, it's like you
0: know. There's been 21 and 22, and then 17 and four. I'm like, what?
1: You're like, where's Manhattan located?
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, where is
1: Manhattanville?
0: <laughs> and you've got you've got a geometry problem for me. Jesus <laughs> Lord.
1: Ah, uh, Duke is one and two against Kentucky. Here's some more prep for you. Duke is one and two against Kentucky in the Champions Classic, which means. Kentucky is two and one against Duke hmm. in the Champions Classic. Just Might so need to double check
0: that. Might need to double check that.
1: You go ahead and double check it. Um my prediction here, I'm gonna go, I'm going to go with the upset. Straight up. By the way, Nada wants us to let everyone know. You want to follow Ion College Basketball Podcast on Twitter. He will be live tweeting from the Champions Classic, both games from that account. And if you'll notice that the Ion College Basketball Podcast Twitter feed is going to sort of come to life, well, it's because (laughs) it's because it's been taken out of Parrish's, it's been taken out of his sweet hands. Thank God. Yes.
0: When I I first started that account, I was like, you know what, I'll have some fun with this and build it up. And I was like, I don't have time. One tweet
1: later and that died.
0: Yeah, I was like, you know what, I don't have time for this. I like. I'd rather get a TikTok.
1: <laughs> Would
0: you? <laughs> no, I don't. How about you
1: start a TikTok uh, before this uh before this game tips Tuesday night and get it rolling? Let's see how we can go with that.
0: I, I don't I don't uh I don't I don't I don't mess around with TikTok and Same. I don't I don't really mess around with Instagram, although I do like watching Instagram reels. I like those. I like the I like the big bank challenge. Are you familiar with the big bank Not challenge? Not even close. No. You don't know the big bank challenge? No. So there's this uh there's this song. And it goes, I got a small waist, pretty face, and a big bank. All right? So yeah. what, what the girls do is they go, I got a, they look into their little cameras, and they go, I got a small waist. And they, they, you know, they show their little small waist. It's like, you do have a small waist. And then they go, I got a pretty face. And they're like, pretty face? And they show their face. And then it's like big bank. And then they, they jump, turn around, and then their bank bounces
1: that's what you want to do
0: on no no home. but here's the thing i'm not i promise you i'm not just a creep watching these for creepy reasons i immediately go into the comments the comments are hilarious because it'll be like uh uh it, it, it might be a perfect perfect a perfect big, big challenge small waist pretty face and a legitimate big bank and the comments will be like i want to make a deposit in that bank <laughs> you know it's outrageous okay but then but then sometimes somebody gets on there with a big bank and they don't they don't really own a big bank. They're claiming a big bank, but it's not. and uh, you go into the comments there and they're like, that bank closed. you bankrupt, me. yeah, you, you bankrupt that that's not a big bank. it's an ATM. I just I, I love the comments. they make me laugh like for real l o l big Bank challenge the best thing on Instagram. I think it's dying though. I think it's I think it's i think I, I think I got there toward the end. But when I see them, I still watch them. And then I go – if I know somebody's not – I actually operate with a big bank, those are my favorite comments because that person gets destroyed and then probably, you know, loses her self-esteem.
1: All right. Well, I'm going to go Kentucky 73, Duke 67. So that's a straight-up upset. Oh, wow. Big time. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll go with UK to win this one. This is obviously just a complete dart throw. And – Again, defenses went out there, but I think Kentucky will will play well from beyond the perimeter, and that'll be a big time factor there. And I th- I do think that Oscar shibway is going to have a really good night, and that's going to make an impact on how overall the impact of Ben and potentially Williams will have. So we agreed on the first game in terms of our winner, but I'm glad this is happening. We have disagreed on this game. We ha- by the way we have to get a tally going. We have not started our weekend picks and all that stuff, but we got to get that going as well. So that'll That'll, that'll be another thing. Well, well, I'll deal with that issue once we get to the weekend picks because well, well, we, we still haven't resolved. Do these count? Do these count as official picks? I think that they should because the games are so high profile. Okay,
0: and then NADA can keep track of who's right against the spread. Yes, against the spread.
1: Yes. So we both took. We disagree against the spread on both games.
0: Okay. Okay. Well, this is I like getting, it. This is getting off to an interesting start.
1: Uh, not in the chat. Yes, they count. He says, um, "Got a small waist, pretty face, and a big bank." Nada hit me up before the podcast. Uh, listen, new producer. He said he had a trivia time, so I, I assume it's tied to the Champions Classic. Now this is a territory we have never ventured into before. I don't know the answer. I don't even know the question, and neither do you. So Nada. If you got it and you want to drop it in right here, the 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 floor is actually we're about to have a non Sam Vicini. He says not today. Oh, OK. Not ready yet. Not ready for it. Not ready for it. We're going to tease the nada stuff eventually. But that is Champions Classic there. What else you got, GP?
0: Well, um, before we get out of here, there have been some interesting sort of just news and notes from the past few days. So if you want to pop through them,
1: uh, have at it. Yeah, let's do it. This is a this is a little bit of a of a roundup, if you will. Um, and I actually, I'll I'll quickly, I'll I want your quick thought on this because this has been something that's been in the college football run, but not I put it on our doc. Um, we haven't talked about it, and I don't know if we ever will get a chance to, unless well, JMU might be good this year. He he noted the fact that James Madison like can't compete for a conference championship because the the school is going to leave the CAA, and so the CAA has voted to punish these players. Like, if this if this had come out. In the middle of February, when we in the season was going on from a basketball standpoint, if JMU winds up being the best team in the league, then obviously, you know, we damn near might have put this at the top of a podcast. But uh, since he, since Nada brought it up, like, this really is one of the more outrageous things, right, Parrish? Like, I understand it's JMU, it's mid major so it doesn't get a ton of run. But this is completely absurd. Like, we want to talk about screwing over the kids. If you missed the story, the school is leaving – the CAA, to join the Sun Belt for football reasons. But but because of this, every single JMU athlete is not being allowed to compete for a conference championship, be it football, field hockey, soccer, across the board. Unless this gets reversed, this is actually going to wind up being a thing, which to me is just like the height of pettiness, and it's a horrendous look for the CAA
0: this is one where i think everybody's got the same opinion because it's crazy to have any other opinion this is reprehensible it's it's t- i'm actually going to james madison next month i'm doing sideline on a virginia james madison game the cbs sports network and so they've been on my radar just a little bit and it's it's incredible that adults would do this to these young people i mean imagine and they are going to do it and it will hold up this isn't one like they're threatening and they, you know they've done this before um, like, imagine if the Big Twelve said Texas can't compete in, in for a right. championship this season, and and like it wouldn't be as bad because Texas could get an automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. James Madison has no automatic bid. I mean, it has no uh, because Texas could get an at large bid to the NCAA right. tournament. James Madison cannot get an at large bid. The only path to the NCAA tournament is an automatic, and now the CAA has said that um, you you can't you can't get that. No chance. It's just wrong and you know, I don't want to say they're getting away with it because it has been a public relations ping. You know, Dan Walken at USA Today wrote a column about it. Others have as well. But, yeah, it's just um, I understand feelings getting hurt and businesses being damaged by conference realignment. Like, I get that. That's a real thing. But at some point, you know, there's not a single player on any James Madison team that had anything to do with this, and that is really who you punish it.
1: Agreed. Just horrendous. Um, terrible stuff. Um, more of terrible stuff. All right. A few. Uh, a few little roundup headlines. Um, Seattle coach Jim Hayford is on administrative leave. Uh, stadium first reported. The school subsequently confirmed uh, that he's on leave. Now, the report is allegations that he used a racial slur during the team's scrimmage last week. Uh, he did it within the context of. Uh, one of his players, uh, a black player, uh, said the N-word. And then Jim Hayford then asked him if he said it and actually said the word. This apparently had also happened over the summer, reportedly. So it was the second time he did this. Uh, Quite obviously, you can't do this. Uh, It it is mind-blowing. So he is on leave. Associate head coach Chris Victor is the acting head coach as the school's investigation takes place. There's no no one knows how long this investigation is going to take place and if Hayford's ever going to return to the bench. Um, but, uh, certainly, uh, you know, where the hell do you go with that? He's on leave deserving to say, you can't say that. I mean, come on.
0: you don't get on administrative leave or suspension and get your job back unless you're Will Wade. Right? That's pretty
1: much how it goes in college athletics. Yes.
0: That's basically how it goes. Will Wade's the only one that bounces back from a suspension. Um, I don't, I'll never understand this. Like Robert Sarver, the Phoenix Suns owner, might have to end up selling his team for, for a lot of things, but among them, this exact thing, like, why can Draymond Green say the N word? But I can't say, and he actually said it. I mean, like, what? like here's the thing. If you are smart enough to understand why you can't say it. Awesome. We're on the same page. And if for some reason you're a white guy and you don't—you genuinely don't understand why you can't say that word, if Draymond Green says that word or one of your players at Seattle says that word, even if you genuinely don't understand, just don't do it because it gets you in trouble. Like even if you just say, "Hey, I don't know why I can't say it, but I can't," and you'll be so you'll you'll be able to keep your job.
1: Yeah, mind blowing. Um, elsewhere, Terrence Shannon Jr., Texas uh, Texas Tech. He's going to be out for an undetermined amount of time because the school announced on Sunday, you know, he went through the draft process and withdrew and came back. But here's the quote out of an abundance of caution. Texas tech is withholding Shannon from competition to ensure there are no possible issues resulting from that process. And that all NCAA rules were followed. Shannon will not compete until this review process is completed. And uh, quote, we don't know when that's going to resolve itself. Kofi Coburn of Illinois will not play the first three games of the season because of some, stuff kind of tied to that but not really so we wait and see on that um they're clearly going through it i was kind of wondering Parrish, if we were going to have something like this like there, not that many players that are really awesome college players could have gone to the nba wind up coming back but there's always a handful and sure enough i don't know if you have any thoughts on it but just a quick headline there: that the fact they don't have him to start he's their best player so that's that's well, certainly notable
0: i'm just confused by the whole thing i mean texas tech's gonna have to sit out a player um, for possible violations. So they're having to take a wait and see approach here. They can't just rush him out there on opening night. And Illinois, you know, Kofi Coburn's going to have to miss three games for, you know, uh, selling something, profiting in a way that is was not allowed um, at the time. And this is just wild to me because uh, Memphis fans told me this only happens to Memphis. Okay. They're the only ones that have to sit out players at the beginning of the season. That's why they were so defiant two years ago with James Wiseman, because this doesn't happen anywhere else, even though it happened at Kansas with Billy Preston and Kentucky within his canter. And I could go on for hours. And so here we are again, boy, I bet you uh, the university of Memphis wishes it had the people who were running Texas tech, running it two years ago so that somebody could have stepped in and said we don't need to play james wiseman this is idiotic because now they're staring down the barrel of an i a r p case but we can talk about that another day
1: texas tech opens with three home games against north florida grambling state and prairie view area a and m uh they will not be missing terrence shannon jr and then after that they've got incarnate word uh in on south padre island for uh, for a uh, MTE, So they've got some time to figure this out as Mark Adams begins his tenure with the Red Raiders. There are three opening night games to know about that aren't the Champions Classic. Uh, Louisiana Tech plays at Alabama. This actually has a a slight whiff of upset potential. Crimson Tide uh, are going to play what might be the best team in CUSA. Louisiana Tech, Kenneth Lofton Jr. is just so much fun to watch. One of the best major players in college basketball as far as I'm concerned. I do have Alabama winning the SEC. I have Alabama winning this game keep an eye on that one and the other two are mid-major specials they feature four teams that have objectively good chances to get into the NCAA tournament so if you're a mid-major honk and for whatever reason you would be counterculture enough to say I'm not watching the Champions Classic you're insane but if you're following and trying to track along going multi-screen totally get you Belmont plays at Ohio that's one of the best mid-major games we could see all season Belmont, in my opinion, is the second best, third best mid-major team in the country this season. Ohio, I have as the second best team in the MAC, but it's kind of right there with Buffalo. Ohio, of course, made the NCAA's last season and beat Virginia in the first round. And the other one uh, could be a battle of two future 13 seeds. You see, Irvine, probably the best team in the Big West, is going to play at New Mexico State. That's the best team in the WAC. Um, so just keep an eye out for that. And I got one more thing for you parish. And this mm-hmm. is also for the listeners here. I want to give a shout to Mike Hall cuz he reminded me of this just before we started podcasting. I saw uh his tweets there. There are rule changes to be aware of this season in college basketball. So like when you're actually watching the game, there's a few things wise that will look different. You know how when you watch an NBA game, the the shot clock will have tenths of a second displaying? That's now a thing in college basketball. Now not every team has to do it. If you have the technology And frankly, the budget to do it, you can. So when we watch the Champions Classic on Tuesday night, since they'll be at a pro arena that has the tech to do it, the shot clock, once it gets to five seconds and less, it will display tenths, which I guess can mean something really when you get down to uh, touching a ball or not and and, and using the end of the possession, et cetera, et cetera. How about this? Undershirts. I feel like you're going to agree with this one. Undershirts have to be the same color as the jersey now. You wear a dark blue jersey, you got to wear a dark blue shirt. Can't wear a white shirt. You good with that?
0: Yeah, I think that's sensible to me. The whole point of having colored uniforms is so, so that you can distinguish clearly between the two. So, yeah, let's keep the let's keep the undershirts the same, uh the same color as the uniform. I n- literally never thought about that before, but now that I am thinking about it for the first time and doing it on YouTube, um I think it makes sense, sure
1: uh one has to do with uh, the shot clock setting back to 20 instead of 30 about a ball tipped out of bounds. no one cares about that how about this one on a double technical foul if the penalties are the same on each team instead of teams shooting free throws the technicals cancel out so teams don't get the opportunity to shoot foul shots and instead it becomes a dead ball foul do you like that i feel like if it's a double technical each team should get the foul shot but now that's going away
0: fewer foul shots the better i'm I'm, I'm fine with that
1: point to Parish, You're definitely right about that. Um, another one replay review can be used in the last two minutes of the second half or last two minutes of any uh, overtime and regulation to determine which team knocked the ball out of bounds or if the player stepped out, but only after the call was made, you can't go to the monitor. If it wasn't made, this is one of the things where, like, if you're listening, you're like, wait, what is he saying? I guarantee you this will be a huge thing when we get to February, March, replay review can be used in the last two minutes of the second half or any overtime to determine which team knocked the ball out of bounds or if a player stepped out, but only if the call was made. So if you step out and it's called that you're out, it gets to be reviewed. If you step out and it's not called, you don't get to do it. Are you good with that? Again, review can be a plague on the sport in all sports. Is it okay with you? Yeah, because
0: um, I don't know a great way to do it differently. Let's just play through this. Um, Guy steps out of bounds. Um, Guy steps out of bounds. And it, it, it looks like he's out of bounds, but there's no whistle. So we just keep playing, right?
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: then uh, misses a shot. And, uh, and, and then we rebound, we we'll go back the other way. Misses a shot. Rebound, we go back the other way. Makes a shot. Um, now we've got a foul. We're going to go back and replay and then erase everything that happened in that 90-second sequence? I just, like, how would you even do that?
1: It's, it can be a it can be a huge headache the the, the ever-lasting tug of war between how much review we should and shouldn't have. Um, I am drifting more toward just no review at all because we just it's it truly is toothpaste you can't put back in the tube kind of well, deal. The other, there.
0: The other thing that would be wild, like, would this be allowed uh, under that hypothetical? A uh, guy uh, goes to save a ball out of bounds. Looks like he saves it, but it, in reality, he stepped on the line. When he saved it, he threw it to the other team, transition, dunk. Can you challenge the call? I know you can't because this is not allowed, but if it were allowed, could you say, hey, we want to challenge that our guy was out of bounds, <laughs> that our own guy was out of bounds when he saved that ball to prevent that transition opportunity from happening? It just gets too messy when you say, yes, the whistle's got to be blown. He was out of bounds. We don't think he was. Let's go look at it. Anything else? Let's couple just keep more.
1: playing. A couple more. Goaltending if it's called can be checked on monitor in the final two minutes of the second half or OT, it cannot be reviewed at any other time if it's called. So final two minutes of the game and OT otherwise can't be challenged. I think I'm good with that. To be honest, that's fine. Let's keep going. Traveling is going to probably drive the college basketball, hardcore. nuts. There's only a couple more here. Um, It's going to be called less often now because it's allowing for more freedom of movement, more Euro steps, step backs. So things that you, if you watch the NBA frequently and you're just accustomed to the best athletes in the world and best basketball players in the world doing stuff and it's it's become kind of second nature to you, whereas you don't often see that kind of stuff in college basketball, just be aware there's going to be more interpretation and liberalism with traveling in college basketball this season, which to be honest, doesn't perish. It doesn't bother me a ton, I guess. I don't know. You with me on that? I mean, you you watch so much NBA because of the Grizzlies, you're, you're used to this stuff as well. But
0: yeah, like, yeah, it won't look weird to me. I watch the NBA basically every night. So yeah, I like anything that makes the college game. Um I, I know the NBA game is not perfect, but it is better. I at least I think like in some of it's because they're like the best players in the world as opposed to, you know, amateurs. Um, but but it's clearly a better game. And if we could borrow from it in certain spots, it's fine with me.
1: Two other things, one uh, that Viewers will never really notice, but coaches are really excited about. You're going to be able to have like real time stats and video allowed on the bench with technology. That just was never a thing until this year. And then something we'll talk about when we get uh, closer to March the NIT is going to experiment. And we did talk about this on a pod in the offseason with uh, six fouls. We don't even get into the weeds in it because it's not going to be a thing until we get to the end of the season. But uh, the NIT is going to experiment with this idea that you can have six total fouls, but never more than four in a single half. There's a little more into that uh, than just that. But uh, that's a new one that will be. Just test it out once we get to the NIT. And that's it, man. Season is here. Parrish, I cannot wait to see you, man. I can't wait to see you. Tuesday, face-to-face. Here we go. Can't wait. Oh, gosh. Look at his face right now. Everyone watching on YouTube. Does this this look like a guy who can't wait? Come on, man. can't wait to see you. I was just joking. Season is here. I didn't show proper excitement.
0: I apologize. I can't wait to see you. I can't wait to see you in New York again. I can't wait to see the garden. I
1: haven't seen the garden in a while. That's good come on now that vibe msg tuesday night packed packed arena that's gonna be really good really good if this is if this podcast was if you're the kind of listener kind of fan that really you needed something like this to get the juices really flowing we are here one day away and shouts to anyone by the way that watched this early early monday morning a little surprise for you we published it just after midnight east coast time uh thanks for watching along again you can subscribe i on college basketball on youtube go find Parrish on twitter at gary parish cbs i believe he's going to tweet about it at least once i've tweeted out a few times we will have a link there pod description the top of it in this podcast episode go to it you guys have been phenomenal get us above 500 subscribers by the time this game these games tip off on tuesday you would be wonderful for that and continue by the way he's going to say this on the outro but continue by the way to five stars nice comments I'm excited for people to watch you read the shouts for the first time. I've been sitting through this for years.
0: Shouts to Devin Downey, shouts to Chester South Carolina, shouts to Aaron Bruce, legend. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys, once again for listening to the Iron College Basketball podcast in the middle of the dumbest, I mean it's the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. You see this Aaron Rodgers guy? <laughs> 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 Woo! He's something, isn't
1: he? Packers lost. We love to see it.
0: Woo! That Aaron Rodgers is something else. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. And please, like Dead Leg said, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Just type I on College bat. There's a lot of ways to do it. Here's one. Go into the search engine YouTube. Just type on College Basketball, and I ain't promised you it's going to pop up. I don't understand how all that works, but just scroll until you see it, and then uh, hit the bell button so you get alerts when a new video drops. Smash the like
1: button because that's important, too. I'm using all these verbs. Hold, on, hold on. I got it. I got to the, the call to action here. Here's what you want to say. I cannot with a straight face. You did it. I, I didn't know if you were going to do it. Smash that like button. Smash it. I can't pull it off. Make love to that
0: like button. With consent, of course. With consent. The like button has granted you consent. Now smash it.
1: What a a, a debut. Oh, my goodness. The The like button
0: button has granted consent. Now it's time to smash it. Please go do that. Help us get this thing off the ground. We're going to talk to you again real soon. Right after Tuesday night's Champions Classic. Till then. (laughs) Till then.